Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas B'Shalach. Parshas B'Shalach, according to the Chinuch, contains one mitzvah, and that is a restriction of Tchumin, that a Jew is not to go outside his camp on Shabbat, outside his habitation. Now, Parshas B'Shalach is that exciting Parsha, whereby the actual Kriyas Yamsuf, the great miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea, occurs in this Parsha. And just be aware that this miracle is really a miracle within a miracle. The rabbis tell us that simultaneously, at the same time that the Jews were in dry land, in the midst of the sea, the sea drowned the Egyptians in that same environment. It was constantly in that flux between dry land and the water for dry land for the Jews and water for the Egyptians, literally a miracle within a miracle. The conclusion of the parsha deals with the man, the special food that God rained down from the heavens, six days of the week, not on Shabbos, and the very conclusion of the parsha is the attack, unprovoked attack of Amalek against the Jewish people. I'd like to focus on a very interesting verse at the beginning of the parsha, In chapter 14, verse 10, the Torah tells us, Ufaro hikriv, and Pharaoh came close, and Vayisu b'nei Yisrael esaynehem, the Jewish people raised their eyes, v'hinei, and behold, Mitzrayim nosea acharehem, Mitzrayim was in hot pursuit after them, Vayiru ma'od, the people were very frightened, Vayitzaku b'nei Yisrael el Hashem, the children of Israel cried out to Hashem. Now, I'm going to ask you, what is it about that last phrase in the verse that you didn't understand? The Jewish people are terrified. They cry out to God. But listen to what Rashi says. Rashi says on this verse, and I read it, Vayitzaku, and they cried out, Tofsu umnus avosam. They grabbed onto the craft of their forefathers. And Rashi goes on to say that as the Jewish people were praying now, where did they get this from? They got it from Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And lest you might ask, how do we know that the Avos prayed? Rashi gives you a source of a verse in the first book of the Torah to substantiate that Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov prayed. Be Avraham Omer, what does it say by Avraham? In chapter 19, Elamakom Asher Omad Sham, that after the destruction of Sidom, Avraham returns to the place where he had prayed and he prays. But Yitzchak, the Torah says at the end of Parshas, Chayesara, Vayetze Yitzchak Losuach Pasode, Yitzchak went out to literally what? take a walk in the field, and the Talmud tells us in the fourth chapter of Brachos that losuach actually means to pray, to speak. He went out to pray. 
the prayer of Mincha. And by Yaakov, it says, in the beginning of Parshas Vayetze, when he has his incredible dream of the latter, and the Talmud goes on to explain how Vayifka is an expression of prayer. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, asks a very interesting question. If Rashi wants to show that the Avros, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov prayed, why does he go to chapter 19 in Bereshis on the day after God had destroyed Sodom? Why not go to an earlier verse, to the verse in chapter 18 in Bereshis, where Avram cries out to God, Hashofet kol lo yasem mishpat, literally, the judge of the world, will you not do justice? Amazing. In other words, why skip over the first verse where Avram prays and go to the second one? And the Rebbe gives a brilliant answer. The Rebbe says that had Rashi chosen the verse before God destroyed Sodom, we might very well have understood. Do you know why Avram prayed? Avram prayed because it was an ace tzara. Avram prayed because it was a crisis. And when a person is in crisis, they pray. To quote that famous expression, there is no atheist in the foxhole. However, on the day after, when God already said no to Avram, when God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Amorah, now he prays? What's he praying for? There is no crisis. So the Rebbe says, note the Lashon of Rashi. Rashi says they took umnus. Umnus is a craft. A craft is something that a person does on a regular basis. The idea being that this verse is to teach us not simply that the Jewish people cried out now in the time of crisis, but rather a Jew is to pray at all times. And therefore, they took the craft of their patriarchs because the patriarchs prayed literally, quote, all the time. This concept is of exceedingly important one. We find that, number one, a delicious translation of the Targum Yonason Ben Uziel on Megillas Esther on the verse Ish Yehudi. Speaking about Mordechai HaYehudi, Ish Yehudi, so what does it mean? A Jewish man comes along the Targum and says that he is a Chassidah, he is a pious person, and he is Mode Umatsli. Mode Umatsli means he gives thanksgiving to God for what he has received, and he's ever praying, Umatsli, and he continues to pray that even though I have it now, doesn't mean I deserve it tomorrow. So the Jew is an ongoing prayer machine. He has to pray all the time. He dare not pray like a machine. He has to pray with concentration. But the idea of consistency, that he prays all the time, this is what our tradition is teaching us. And interestingly, the Torah tells us that when Leah had her fourth child, she calls him 
Yehuda, which comes from Hapam Oder. At this time, I will give thanks to God. Yaakov had four wives. They knew he was to have 12 sons. She already had four, which was more than, if you do the math, each one should have had three. When she had a fourth, she said, Wow, hapam odes Hashem. Now I'm really giving thanks to God because I got more. And the Pasuk ends, Vata'amod mi ledes. This is the very last verse of chapter 29, in Beratius. And our rabbis tell us, what does it mean by Tamod Miledes? She stopped giving birth. Why? Because she didn't pray for more. A Jew always has to pray for more. This Shabbos is Tu Bishvat, the 15th day of the month of Shvat, which the, Rosh, the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah teaches us is the Rosh Hashanah for the New Year of the trees. Now, what does that mean? We don't wish Happy New Year to the trees. We don't send the trees cards. So what does it mean? So it happens to be a very technical date. What does that mean? In the land of Israel and only in the land of Israel, produce that the Jewish farmer had in the land of Israel was called tevel. A Jewish farmer was not permitted to eat his own produce until he tithed. He had to give 2% to the Kohen, Truma, to Mr. Cohen. He had to give 10% next to the Levi, Ma'aser, to Mr. Levi. So now he has approximately 90. Those who are the accountants will tell me 89 point something. Then he gives in each and every year a second 10%. In years 1 and 2, 4 and 5, he gives Ma'aser Shani, which is that second 10% given to Yerushalayim, where he's to take the money or take the food and what? And eat it on food so he should be able to bask in the environment of Yerushalayim. And, listen carefully, in the third and sixth year, he gives that second 10% to the poor. Tu Bishvat is the cutoff day. You have to give 10% of your produce from year to year. When does the year begin? Those fruits which budded before Tu Bishvat are last year's. Those fruit that bud after are next year. So it's a technical day. But the Jew throughout the millennium seized the day. He was outside of Israel. He realized and he appreciated what he was missing. He unfortunately was not in his land. He couldn't give trumos and maestros. So he ate of the fruits of the land of Israel, a form of pining, a form of desiring, a form of connecting with and actually davening. And interestingly, the... B'nai Yisasra and others point out the language in the Mishnah is that it's Rosh Hashanah Lo'ilan. It doesn't say Lo'ilanos, for the tree. And so the Minog is to pray on Tu Bishvat for a beautiful Esrog for the forthcoming year. On Shabbos, we don't offer that prayer, interestingly. So those who try to follow that, please God, today, if you didn't do it yet in Shachris, after Shacharis, do it today at Mincha time. In your Shemona Esrei, or right before Mincha, or right after before Shabbos, you should pray and say Hashem in the merit of the fact that we gave Trumosa Maisros in the past. Please let me be privileged to have the uh, beautiful Esrog for this forthcoming year. The idea behind Tu B'Shvat is that 
unfortunately, we appreciate what we don't have. There's a delicious, well, not really delicious, Tosvos in, you be the judge, in Tanis 9a, Aser to Aser, a father says to his son, Sonny boy, I've been successful all the years, I've had a thousand bushels, and I've given clearly, strictly, a hundred every year for Ma'aser. Be careful, do the same. The first year the son did and he was successful. And you know the rest of the story. Afterwards, come on, give so much. And he gave less for Ma'aser and the field produced much less. The land of Israel is very special. And we remember our special relationship with Hashem, with the land, and wherefore the custom is to eat fruits of Eretz Yisrael on this Shabbos. It's not too late. If you haven't done it yet, go out and buy figs and dates and raisins and grapes and nuts, but just to have fruits of Eretz Yisrael and make these brachos on Shabbos. You don't have to make special brachos except having it for dessert, or during the day have it, have fruits around, remind us, and please God, we should be Zoha that next year we should be in our home. And Halavai, the mitzvos of Trumos and Masa should once again be on a biblical level due to our prayers, because we learn from Mordechai, and we learn from um, B'nai Yisrael and the Avos, the Jew is constantly praying. Shabbat Shalom and a happy Tu Bishvat to all.